welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning, live and on the air, ready to go. What are we going to talk about today? Well, whatever could we find to wax poetic about in the world of soccer on a Wednesday? I don't know. Yes, of course we know. There's only really one thing. I mean, I got news. I got a rundown. We're going to talk about some other stuff. There may even be MLS news in the world. There, there's some, hey, well, an American international made his debut on loan for Sunderland yesterday. That's in the news. That's a thing we could talk. And yet, no. No, there is only one event that is worth spending any real time on today. And that's actually going to spin us into our guests, uh, our guest on Wednesday, Ross Dunbar, uh, who writes about the Bundesliga and covers the Bundesliga for Fox Sports and DW Sports, will join us in a little while to discuss. Yep, there it is. Leading the news, Robert Lewandowski scoring five goals in 10 minutes after coming on as a substitute in Bayern's 5-1 win over Wolfsburg. He scored all five of those goals. He did it in a lightning, fas- uh, lightning fashion. They were all... Excellently taking goals. All of them. The last one was probably the best, but there were some there were some real peaches in that bunch from Robert Lewandowski. Here, here are some stats from Robert Lewandowski as I dive into the news. And his five goal appearance, uh, five goal performance for Bayern Munich yesterday. His first three goals were scored within three minutes and twenty-two seconds, the fastest hat trick in Bundesliga history. Four goals. In five minutes and 42 seconds, also the fastest in Bundesliga history. And five goals in eight minutes and 59 seconds. So he didn't even get to nine minutes. That's a, bad, that's a Bundesliga record. Lewandowski is the first substitute in Bundesliga history to score five goals. It was the first time in 24 years that someone has scored five goals in a Bundesliga match. Uh, the, let's see, Lewandowski's first hat trick for Bayern. Okay, so hat trick plus two. Um, 2013, this is just reminding everyone of what Lewandowski can do. He scored four for Dortmund in a 4-1 win over Real Madrid in the first leg of the UEFA Champions League semifinal. He's the first sub to score five goals in the history of the four top European leagues. The Premier League, La Liga, the Bundesliga, or in Serie A. Quickest to five goals ever in the four big European leagues. 8 minutes 57 seconds, as we or 8 minutes 59 seconds. A couple seconds here or there. Who needs that? The last time, uh, let's see, I guess we have a record of, uh, of I, I don't know. I, I, there's just so many stats and so many records here coming from Lewandowski's performance. If you, did, if you missed it, of course, a lot of you guys work. You're sitting in cubicles. You can't watch Bundesliga in the middle of the day. I'll admit, okay, I'll admit that I was watching something else. Maybe I was watching the aforementioned U.S. International make his debut in the Capital One Cup, which I'll get to in a second. And then I saw Twitter on fire, and I felt like I needed to switch over. And you get, this is, <laughs> this is how amazing it was. He scored three in the aforementioned three minutes and 22 seconds, and I thought, oh, well, I missed him. Maybe I'll see a replay. Maybe I'll see a couple replays, and I'll be able to see what Lewandowski did. A hat trick in three minutes? This is insane. No one does this. And then I got to see two more goals because that's how amazing his performance was. Again, we can spend a whole hour on Lewandowski today. We'll certainly spend some time with Ross Dunbar on Lewandowski, and we'll talk, take a look at the, the wider Bundesliga picture. 
Uh, last night in the CONCACAF Champions League, DC United came back from a 3-0 deficit in Jamaica to draw with Montego Bay United. They did not look into that game for a long time, and it actually took an, an out-of-time goal to get level. W Connection loses 1-0 at home to Santos. No surprise there. Hankook Verdes, which is a thing, beat San Francisco of Panama 2-1 in the Champions League as well. There are games tonight in the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, you've got Seattle and Vancouver. I remember Seattle took down Vancouver in league play uh, this week, uh, this weekend. You've got uh, the LA Galaxy uh, in a CONCACAF Champions League match against Central. They'll be down in. Uh, they'll be at Central for that match. One uh, one win will give LA the win, the group win with a game to spare. You also have RSL uh, taking on Santa Tecla. That game is uh, in Utah. All right. The MLS Players Union has released their latest round of salary information. 23 players are making more than $1 million. Didier Drogba is making $2.1 million. That's actually a pay cut uh, to come join the Montreal Impact. Giovanni Dos Santos is making $5.7 million, sixth highest in the league. Kaká, top of the list with $6.6 million salary. Steven Gerrard, 6.2, and Frank Lampard, $6 million. There's where all your money's going in MLS. CFA has revoked Gabriel's red card and suspended Diego Costa three games for his actions in Saturday's Chelsea-Arsenal match. Chelsea is very disappointed. Of course they are. U.S. international DeAndre Yedlin making his Sunderland debut, as I mentioned, in a 4-1 loss to Manchester City in the League Cup. He had a couple of nice moments. He provided an assist on the Black Cats' uh, lone goal, which came late and did not change anything about that game. But he, uh, again, he had a couple of moments, hit a couple of nice crosses. Perhaps he can get some more time under Dick Advocat. Other results from yesterday, just running down a bunch of scores in the Capital One Cup. Aston Villa beating Birmingham City, one nothing. Fulham losing to Stoke at home, one nothing. Leicester City, 2-1 over West Ham. Hull, one nothing over Swansea. There are some other games there. Those are the highlights in the Bundesliga. Ingolstadt falling to Hamburg, one nothing at home. Hurt to Berlin, 2-0 over Cologne. And Darmstadt with a win, 2-1 over Werder Bremen. That game also included uh, Aaron Johansson, uh, who played for Werder Bremen. Did he score in that game? I didn't write that down, Trevor. He may have scored in that game. La Liga, Atletico Madrid, 2-0 over Getafe. He did score that game. Thank you, Trevor. Espanyol, 1-0 over Valencia. Uh, Grenada falling uh, 0-3 to Real Sociedad. And then Syria, Udinese. 2-3 oh, uh, against AC Milan, so a, a road win for AC Milan. Mario Balotelli scoring the opener for uh, the Rossoneri in that, go, in that game. Uh, Ligue 1, PSG 3-0 over Guingamp, and Angers 0-0 with Rem. Uh, my French is terrible, but there you go. All right, let's step aside. We will prepare ourselves to spend some time talking about Robert Lewandowski and the historical achievement he uh, he put in yesterday for Bayern Munich. Ross Dunbar will join us from Fox Sports and DW Sports. Don't go anywhere. Soccer morning on a Wednesday. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as you spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. 
And now we're taking you to the next level by bringing back Jared Dubois to join me this Sunday for LA Galaxy FC Dallas at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the Galaxy vs. Dallas game on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me and Jared through your desktop, through your iOS Android app, or through your mobile browser. Plus, before or during the game, you can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me and Jared this Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy against FC Dallas on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning. We are joined now via Skype by our friend Ross Dunbar. He works for Fox Sports and DW Sports, and he covers the Bundesliga. Ross, how are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm well. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, we will spend, you know, 25 minutes, 30 minutes or so having a chat this morning, uh, this afternoon in your case, and... Uh, I wonder where we should start, Russ. Uh, what, what should we talk about? Uh, I don't know how to properly frame this. You know, I both of us write for part of our livings, and I can't. I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, it, this is what 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 Robert Lewandowski did yesterday is not something that any football fan ever imagines will actually happen. Yeah, um, I must admit, I was kind of hyperventilating after the fifth goal. Um, I kind of had to calm down a bit after it, so um, yeah, it was just incredible. And, and, and again, he comes on as a substitute. He scores five in nine minutes, and depending on who's counting, or sorry, yeah, it's about nine minutes. And it it, it just it yeah. it creates this sort of um, hysterical giggling. After <laughs> you were hyperventilating, I'm just giggling because <laughs> I, I, I you can't possibly understand how this is happening, and it's not as though. It's not as though this was a minnow. This isn't one of Germany's uh, weak sisters that he did this against. This is against Wolfsburg. Is there any... Sorry, do I still have... Oh, I've lost Ross. <laughs> Skype does not want to work nearly as well as Robert Lewandowski today. So I apologize. Let me see if I can get him back. Uh, I'm going to do that right this second without even without even taking a, a step aside. We'll, we'll pull up this call and get Ross back on the air. But again, trying to put this into, into perspective, um, you know, three goals in a game, four goals. Ross, I apologize. The, the Skype doesn't want to work today. Uh, we should probably <laughs> I, think get... it's an, I think it's in the same frame of mind as both of us after watching Lewandowski last night. Yeah, just again, sort of g- give me... I mean, I, I, read, I, I ran down some, some uh, records that this set. I mean, it obviously set a ton of records. Uh, but is there any is there any way to contextualize what Lewandowski did again against a a, a good side, not a not not one of uh, Germany's poorer teams? Um, I think I think you only have to look at Pep Guardiola's reaction uh, after the uh, fifth goal to see <laughs> to see what probably the best coach in world football thought of it. It was the downright ridiculous at times, um, but like you said, it broke all kinds of records. I mean, you know he. Um, is the first player to come off the bench and score five goals uh, in the Bundesliga, which is is quite remarkable in that space of time. And yeah, I'm a bit like you. I'm not really sure how to contextualise it, but 
Um, it kind of came after a, a poor first half from Bayern. I think Guardiola admitted that himself. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just a remarkable performance. And, and how unfair is it? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to go to the negative side of this because it is such an amazing achievement, and there is really uh, nothing negative to say about Lewandowski or uh, or or the way that Bayern Munich performed in that second half, but. The fact that Bayern Munich has a player like Robert Lewandowski sitting on the bench to come into a game they're losing one nothing at halftime to Wolfsburg, one of the top, uh, you know, one of the top teams in Germany not named Bayern Munich, is kind of unfair, Ross. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. I suppose it is. But um, really, I think I think what Guardiola is trying to do at the moment is, um, you know, avoid a situation where he has injuries going into. A, a very congested period. I mean, they've got six games in 18 days. Um, obviously, Borussia Dortmund coming up next Saturday, given the kind of form that they're in at the moment, I don't think he would want to take any risks at this point in the season. And obviously, with the doubleheader against Arsenal, um, I mean, I think he's right to try and leave Lewandowski out as much as he can almost, because uh, without doubt, for, for me anyway, I think he's by far Bayern's best player and he is the real match winner at times. You know, he's... He's um he's just a complete forward. Scores goals, creates goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, he defends properly. I mean, I don't think there's anyone in that Bayern team playing as well as he is right now. And there's obvi- look. It's obviously well. I say it's slightly unfair. At the same yeah. time, it's not as though Dortmund is is suffering without him no. in their start to this season. They're perfect. They've scored 18 goals. Yeah. Uh, they've only given up three. They're right there with Bayern Munich at the moment. Um, and, and but I guess we can flip over to Dortmund and their start to this season, Ross. Uh, did we did we see this one coming? Um, I think I'm sure I'm sure we I'm sure we we, we expect that Dortmund improvement from last season, but certainly not as quickly as it's happened um, in the first few months of the season. I was at uh, Dortmund on Sunday for the game against Leverkusen, and uh, I mean some of the football was just unbelievable. It was so quick, it was so incisive. Um, I think what Tuchel has done has is kind of um, maintained the kind of urgency and tempo that Klopp had, but you can see a lot more tactical now. So you can see a little bit more method in what they're doing. They obviously work on these these um, these passages of play and training all the time because it's the same moves they try. You know, they try and get the fullbacks involved. You look at guys like Kagawa and Mkhitaryan; they just look completely different from from last season when Dortmund were were extremely poor um, under under Klopp. So. Uh, I don't think I don't think we expect them to do as well as they did, but now it kind of gives us the impression that you would expect them to put in a title challenge. I'm I'm still not sure whether that's going to be possible. I think the the game at the Allianz Arena next week will really kind of give us the impression as to whether I mean, they're there for the long haul or it's just for you know a few months at the start of the season. Uh, let me, I'm just I'm going back. Sorry, I'm going back to Lewandowski, and we're going to do that. I'm, <laughs> things are going to come <laughs> into my head, and we're going to have to talk about Lewandowski and Bayern Munich again. Uh, I, Wolfsburg had had four clean sheets before that yeah. that match. They had given up two goals in five matches. Now they've given up seven, and five of them have been scored by the same man. I, I'm sorry. It's just it's here. I'm giggling again, Ross. It's uh, it's <laughs> stunning. Um, Okay, so you know, as as we said, uh, Borussia Dortmund with a with a fine start to the season. Whether or not they can keep pace with Bayern Munich remains to be seen. But but I do think it's good that we have seen them come out of the gates this strong and kept it interesting at least to this point. I mean, you're you're not going to say that the title race is over in September, but the way that Bayern Munich 
sucks up talent and and certainly having Pep Guardiola despite his his odd relationship with everything around the club there there was every sense in the world that they were just going to walk this again yeah I think so I mean but I think I think what you what interests me about Guardiola this season is that in the first two seasons I thought he was doing a very very good job and I thought okay you know I can see a real strategy behind what he's trying to do this season to me I'm still not sure exactly what he's trying to develop at Bayern Munich because He's chopping and changing the team every week. Seem to have lost Ross again. The connection has gone bad. No, the call is still there. Ross, are you with me? All right, now I got an internet connection problem with Ross. Okay, so I suppose the soccer gods just don't want us to have a good discussion with Ross Dunbar about Lewandowski and Bundesliga. Let me see one more time if I can grab him back. I apologize for the technical difficulties. This has been a bad week for Skype. It just has been. Uh, so we are, we're, we're talking about Pep Guardiola and, and his stewardship of, of Bayern Munich. And I, I think what's interesting about Pep at Bayern for me is that while his stint at Barcelona was clearly about him, that being his club, he played there, he grew up there, that was... He, he was he was solidly connected. His roots were strong. Ross, I apologize again. You, you know you were, you were ta- no no it's fine. You were talking about Pep at Bayern Munich. Yeah. Uh, sort of like I was just giving you know giving my sense that while Pep at Barcelona was about roots, uh, about mm-hmm. you know, where he was from and who he played for and where he grew up, it, it, we know that this is a mercenary job for him at Bayern Munich, and that kind of colors everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was saying that you know, the, 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 what I was saying, that, you know, in this season, um, his third season at, at Bayern Munich. I mean, I'm, as far as I remember, his third season at Barcelona's best season at the club, um, or, or sort of second season. But then I think, I think this season, the players that they've brought in doesn't really fit the kind of cohesive strategy that Guardiola has tried to implement at Bayern Munich. You look at someone like Arturo Vidal, for example, uh, or Douglas Costa, they're both very different players. And uh, he's chopped and changed a lot of the you know, the, the, the starting 11s. We've seen Alaba playing centre-half. We've seen Rafinha playing centre-half. To me, it looks a little bit kind of scattergun at the moment. Uh, and I think we're almost kind of waiting for Champions League matches for Guardiola and Bayern to be tested because mm-hmm. right now in the Bundesliga they have the kind of quality that wipes the floor with everyone. Um, yeah. You know, I, I thought in Darmstadt on, on Saturday last week, I thought they were not so great either. So I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, whether they get tested against Dortmund on October the 4th or whether it will be against Arsenal that they'll get tested. But I think it will give us a good impression as to whether this Bayern team can actually go all the way perhaps in the Champions League. Well, that's interesting. So what you're, what you're implying there is that because of the overwhelming... Uh, amount of talent that he has he can you know he's not going to throw out any 11 any random 11 but he can throw yes. out a team with uh with some players shifted around and, and obviously mm-hmm. rest some players and, and generally speaking against every and we'll again find out against Dortmund uh or maybe Arsenal he can get away with that because there's yeah. not there's not a lot of uh, a lot not a lot of pressure on him from those other Bundesliga teams whereas if he goes up against a top class side now he's got to be Pep Guardiola the tactician again yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think when you look at Bayern Munich over the last three years, I think you know their success has been characterised by you know having great combinations in a lot of areas of the pitches. You know, you've seen players like Philip Lam and Thomas Muller combining to great effect. You've seen players like David Alaba 
and Franck Ribéry combining on the left. You've seen last season Juan Bernat, who was the first choice left back at the time, playing really well on there. But I think when you chop and change so much, um, it must be difficult for the players to understand uh, what kind of roles they're trying to play within that system. I mean, we've seen um, in the last few weeks, like I said, Alaba at centre-half, Rafinha centre-half, um, Xabi Alonso has played centre-half. Uh, I mean, that just shows you that they have an amazing amount of talent that really they're not being tested at a great level in the Bundesliga. OK, I, 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 while last night was was just unbelievably good, I think maybe there was an element of the freakishness about it. Mm-hmm. I think if Wolfsburg maybe had kept focus after the first goal, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Uh, because, you know, the first half that they played yesterday was was outstanding. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing about it. You know, the first half, it was an almost flawless performance from Wolfsburg. Uh, defensively, they were great and they looked brilliant going forward. And also, if, if Gia Vogui had scored that goal from the halfway line, yeah. then we might, we might be talking about something completely different right now. So it's those kind of margins that I think would make Bayern quite uncomfortable going into the Champions League. You're, yeah, you bring me to something there. Um, it's it's interesting how much people love when Manuel Neuer comes off his line and plays yeah. sweeper keeper, but he's he nearly got himself in. Maybe that game changes if that ball yeah. goes in the back and it hit off the post. I mean, it was so close. I, I, is he is he getting bored? I mean, is that possible for him to get bored and and to be making? I mean, you know, again, this is something he does, but yeah. that one was that was so dangerous what he did yesterday. Yeah, it's not. It's not been a. It's not been a great week for goalkeepers coming off their lines with uh, Florenzi scoring against uh, Barcelona. Amazing goal! Week. Amazing. Goal. Uh, yeah, I mean, but it's, it shows you how risky that style is. Uh, having nothing. Live radio. There we go. Uh, let's see. Ross's connection has uh, gone bad again. I'm sure this call will drop in, in mere moments, and uh, we may have to decide uh, whether or not. Ross, are you there? Oh, and there it goes. Uh, so something about the connection between us and, and Ross is not working out very well. Um, at this point, I can continue to, well, you know what? Wh- whatever. We'll just keep, we'll keep going. We're going to be, we're going to do our Robert Lewandowski impression and just try to make the connection as, near, as many times as possible. One more, one more go at this, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about this. It's, I, um, this Wi-Fi is just horrendous. Ah, um, yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe that's what it is. All right. So yeah. this should hold out for a couple more minutes. Okay. So we're just yeah. talking, wait, look, we were just talking about Manuel Neuer coming off his line. I mean, that, look, yeah. that didn't have anything to do with the game. And again, uh, in, in terms of the result, and, and he got lucky a little bit. But at the same time, you do wonder if one day this is going to cost Bayern Munich. He's the best goalkeeper in the world for most people. And, mm. and, and yet that sort of behavior uh, is, is, is maybe an Achilles heel for Bayern against a good side who can take advantage. That's all I'll say. And, and he nearly, nearly committed a red card challenge at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, like I said. I mean, I, I would imagine that you know having nothing to do for ninety minutes would be an element of complacency. But I wonder, you know, just how much um, not having a lot to do over two or three seasons. I wonder how much that actually breeds some complacency. Because if you know that nine times out of ten, or nine point nine times out of ten, that you get away with it, then you're going to probably keep doing it. But I, I, you know, I would, I would assume that that's something that. Guardiola insists on, you know, he, he probably wants uh, twelve men, or oh, sorry, eleven men on the pitch to be used at full, uh, you know, at, the, at, at one time. Yep. Uh, you know, again, something that maybe gets lost a little bit in, with Lewandowski's performance yesterday is Douglas. Co- you mentioned Douglas Costa, and he's 
I mean, I I don't know how you even again. It's hard to it's hard to to contextualize and and give proper um, framing to Lewandowski's achievement. I think it's in, it's very difficult to give proper framing to just how quick Douglas Costa is. Yeah, I mean, I remember I posted a tweet during the Wolfsburg game in the Super Cup, and I just wrote on my on my notes, "This guy is very, very quick." Um, that was really uh, my kind of analysis on him. He's, he's, you know, he's just rapid um, when he has the ball at his feet. My concern would be sometimes his final ball isn't great, mm-hmm. but I would, I would, I would suspect that's almost the reason why Guardiola has signed him because you know a lot of the time last season Bayern played a lot of. Uh, sideway passes, they didn't have players who could uh, cause a little bit of chaos in the last third and I think players like Costa and Vidal, although they're not technically on the same level as someone like Lewandowski for example but they they give you something a little bit unpredictable and maybe that's the reasoning behind having a player like Douglas Costa and uh, Arturo Vidal Yeah, I think that when you're as fast as Douglas Costa is and it definitely appeared this way against Wolfsburg yesterday you can um, you you can get away with a, a, a not a top class final ball because yeah there's chaos. I mean you, you've got defenders scrambling to try to figure out yeah. how to defend that, and he certainly set up uh, Lewandowski uh, with that sort of play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think in the last few years when everyone has been trying to copy this Barcelona way of playing, of keeping possession, defending by keeping possession, you almost have lost that kind of winger who would go to the byline, put in a cross and cause a little bit of chaos in the penalty box. Um, but with Douglas Costa coming in, I think I think it's, it's good to see. And I think you're almost seeing that a big flaw in a lot of fullbacks defending is now being... It's been penalised because nowadays fullbacks are sometimes very poor defenders, and you get a player like Douglas Costa who runs at exceptional pace. You know, it's it's certainly yeah, it's going to cause a little bit of unpredictability in this Bayern team. Uh, I think. Going yeah, forward. you're getting a lot of um, what Douglas Costa did yesterday for for Bayern Munich. What he does, you're you're getting teams shifting that responsibility to fullbacks, and wingers are becoming obviously you know uh, playing inside, uh, playing outside in, and and and. Lots of things. Obviously, you know when you have a player um, like an Aaron Robin, for example, you you can get away with that and and, and having a fullback who overlaps. Anyway, um, when you when we since you're bringing that up, and again we've talked about Pep Guardiola having to be a tactician uh, against top sides, but not necessarily in the Bundesliga. Do you think that dulls? I mean, th- th- that was true in some regards during his stint with Barcelona, but he was also honing that style that they became um, known for with the Tiki Taka. Is he? You think that's dulled him a little bit being in Germany and and having a Bayern Munich team that is so uh, so dominant in terms of talent. And I lost. Uh, I think I've lost Ross again. All right, I think that's time to call that one. We've tried many times. It's not Ross's fault. I apologize for that. But that was a good discussion with Ross Dunbar, uh, trying to put some framework around uh, Robert Lewandowski's achievement yesterday. Certainly, Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. Uh, Bruce Dortmund starting very well. What we did not get to, and what I wanted to get to, was obviously that uh, Darmstadt uh, result as they beat Werder Bremen. Uh, probably not uh, what Werder Bremen needs at this point as they try to uh, reestablish themselves as one of the better teams in the Bundesliga. Right now in 12th place on 7 points, 2 wins, 1 draw, 3 losses for Werder Bremen. So that's um, not exactly the best start. Obviously, one of the other storylines in Germany is the disaster that is Mönchengladbach. Uh, Lucien Favre 
resigning as the uh, manager of Mönchengladbach after having helped them get back into the Bundesliga a couple of years ago, taking them into a Champions League position last season. And now they're dealing with Champions League football while at the same time having to stare down uh, a, a really poor start, zero points from five matches. They've given up 12 goals. They've only scored twice. It actually has shades in a different way. Uh, Dortmund had established themselves as a power, clearly, and, and was a power, but it has shades of Dortmund last year uh, when Dortmund was down in the relegation zone while also playing Champions League football and doing well in the Champions League. I'm not, uh, but Munson Lobbach, probably not in the same sort of position to be able to handle both of those fronts and, uh, and, and be... Uh, and be successful at, at both of them. All right, I think this is an opportunity to take a break, maybe come back and start up the phone lines, get talking to you. If you want to wax poetic about Robert Lewandowski's achievement yesterday, now is the time. Let's go ahead and uh, step aside. Let me just uh, get my old music lined up here. Thank you very much to Ross Dunbar. Go follow him at Ross, du- Ross Dunbar 93 If you have questions we didn't get to, Darmstadt, Gladbach, Werder Bremen, go ask him on Twitter. He'll answer. Talk to you guys in a second. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. And now we're taking it to the next level by bringing back Jared Dubois to join me this Sunday for LA Galaxy FC Dallas at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the Galaxy vs. Dallas game on TV, press the mute button, and then head over to Rabble.tv to listen to me and Jared through your desktop, through your iOS Android app, or through your mobile browser. Plus, before or during the game, you can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Or why don't you create your own broadcast and call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me and Jared this Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern for LA Galaxy against FC Dallas on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we are back. It is Soccer Morning. It is on the air. Again, thanks to Ross Dunbar for showing up. Uh, not his fault that the connection wasn't the best. We got to get in some good chat about the Bundesliga. We can talk about Robert Lewandowski at 646-832-3909. Put this in the Pantheon for me. Whether it's within a soccer context, the best performances you've ever seen. I mean, you know, this wasn't a Champions League final. This wasn't a World Cup match. This wasn't the stage was the stage. It was a, a a Bundesliga match early in the year. But again, it was meaningful. It, the game meant something to their league standings. Uh, it was against Wolfsburg. It wasn't against Darmstadt. It wasn't against somebody who you might expect to give up five goals to Bayern Munich. They were already down one nothing, and had been outplayed in the first half. And he came off the bench. I mean, I think that's <laughs> it's important to remember. Robert Lewandowski was cold when he entered that game. I mean, okay, cold, relatively speaking. And he scored five goals in nine minutes. I don't even, you know, I'm, I'm racking my brain for other sports. You know, what we're talking about, you know, Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100. You know, but that was back in the, in the ancient days of basketball when Wilt was six, six feet taller than everybody else and just grabbing rebounds. Um, I, 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 don't even know, I don't even know where to put this. 
I don't know. I mean, it is so beyond, again, what your imagination even allows. To have Robert Lewandowski scoring five goals that fast. Okay, maybe he scores a hat trick. I mean, we've seen Messi do amazing things. Take over games by himself and drive Barcelona to wins with three, four goals in a game. We've seen Ronaldo do things like this. Cristiano Ronaldo has done has had games where he has been so dominant that you just your draw drops. But I nobody that I'm aware of has ever scored. I mean, look at, again, look at those records. Has scored five in nine minutes. Like it was nothing. I mean, and, and they were all well taken clinical finishes. Amazing. Six four six eight three two thirty nine oh nine. I'm just gonna review this stuff because I think it's important. Not important. It's fun. His first three goals were scored in three minutes and 22 seconds. The fastest hat trick in Bundesliga history. Four goals in five minutes and 42 seconds. Also the fastest in Bundesliga history. And of course, five goals in little less than nine minutes. Fastest in Bundesliga history. First substitute in the league's history to score five. First time in 24 years that someone has scored five in the top level of Germany. First sub to score five goals in the history of the top four European leagues, the Premier League, La Liga, Germany, and, uh, and Italy. I mean, it, it, it mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. All right. So we've got Lewandowski. You can talk about that. You can talk about Bayern Munich. Uh, obviously, Champions League. Uh, Borussia Dortmund in their start. Uh, Mönchengladbach in their struggles. Uh, Aaron Johansson at Werder Bremen breaking his duck, but in a loss to Darmstadt on the road. All of that is out there. I want to take this opportunity. I know this isn't directly related to soccer, but Yogi Berra passed away at the age of 90 uh, today. One of the guys I admired a lot as a kid growing up, learning about baseball history. Uh, one of the greats of the game. And actually, a guy who did play some soccer as a kid in St. Louis with a bunch of guys who ended up being part of uh, a fantastic St. Louis University soccer program in the 60s and 70s. I mean, that was obviously the dark ages for soccer in the United States. The NASL started in uh, 68 or so. Um, e- even then, into the 70s, you know, soccer was soccer's place in this country was not, it wasn't a great fit. There were some good moments with the Cosmos and the, and the Rowdies and the Earthquakes and some of these teams. But Yogi Berra did uh, actually have connection, knew a bunch of guys, Growing up as uh, as the son of Italian immigrants in St. Louis, playing soccer with people, I thought that was something I wanted to mention uh, this morning. Again, because uh, you know Yogi Berra, one of my uh, one of my favorite old baseball players, because that's uh, I think baseball and soccer have a lot in common when it comes to the the origins of the games, where the games come from, who plays them, um, the immigrant nature of, of those games. Uh, I think that's something. And, and the history, the, the, the romantic, romanticized history of these sports. And now we have another legend that will go down forever. Robert Lewandowski, Richard and Philly, you're on the air. Hey, Jason, how are you doing? Doing well, sir. What's on your mind? Well, I think I will. Let's go back to what you said about Barry. I think you probably said, but I know he was a very big proponent of the original Cosmos going to their games when when they played at Yankee Stadium and Giant Stadium. So I think he's like a very big fan trying to champion the soccer crossover in America. And yeah, I mean, I, I just think that at the time, at the time that Yogi Berra was most famous and in the game, and of course he coached well into his later years. 
it, well, soccer just wasn't didn't have a profile, so he didn't talk a lot about it. But it was always there. In fact, um, you know, just looking up his um, looking him up this morning after he passed away, he was he actually did appear in a documentary about those St. Louis University soccer teams. Uh, because again, because he was part of that community and knew those guys and grew up playing soccer in addition to playing baseball. So go ahead, Richard. And I, and I think he was in once in a lifetime too. I think I I'm not sure. I got to rewatch it. Okay. To, be, to me. Okay. But I, I want to talk about uh, Lauren Dusky. Um, I tweeted at you to ask of us Dumbbell, but I don't know if you did not because speed kept going in and out. But the question was I asked because Granny, yeah, he did what he did last night was fantastic, but he's, He's a constant goal scorer consistently. So I was wondering, is it time to put him on that top three, top five? Well, what what, what is that? What's that list right now for you? I mean, I think when we talk about, uh, we, we, would you separate goal scorers from best players? Or are we talking about the same list? I mean, Ronald, Messi, Ronaldo, Ibrahimovic. Um, who are you going to put on that list? I think it's, I think it's Messi, Ronaldo, Suarez, Suarez, Neymar. Okay. Maybe Lewandowski. And kind of gets jumbled, and maybe put Lewandowski for four oh, or five. Okay, I I don't think that he's because he's, he's a consistent goal scorer. Yes, it's just and this just grows on to the legend of what he, of the goals he normally scores. Yeah, I, I, I'm with. I mean, you know, I don't want to elevate him just because he scored five in a game. But as you said, it's not necessarily about that. It's about how he is at a consistently good and consistently clinical. And you know, Ross sort of said right now. Lewandowski is Bayern Munich's best player. Now, it, it is sort of an aberration that he came off the bench. I mean, that's about that's about a lot of other things besides... It, it's not necessarily Robert Lewandowski's second choice. You know what I'm saying? And, and it was funny because yeah. I, I'm, watching that, I'm watching that match on Fox Sports 1, and it ends, and they do a little analysis with Ian Joy, who's very, very good, by the way. Need to get him on this show. And Eric Wendald is talking a little bit. And then they go to America's pregame, which I think is their like their afternoon, just general sports show. And they have a mm-hmm. they have a panel there, and I, I don't remember who else was on it, but Shannon Sharp was on this panel. Uh, they were going to talk football clearly, and Shannon Sharp's a guy um, who, who I like because I'm a Broncos fan. But you know, he's I I don't know how tied in he is to soccer, but they were t- they sort of talked about it, right? It was it wasn't just going to be about football. They were going to talk about what just happened because it was so amazing. And Shannon Sharp goes, that guy came off the bench. I don't think he's be coming off the bench anymore. And I'm thinking, well, it doesn't. It, that's not really. That's not really the thing, Shannon. Well, I think he was. I think he had some nagging injuries. One does, I think, but I'm not exactly sure. Well, I, 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 again, I mean, there's so, there's to so go much. Back to, to what I was saying, like, okay, Ronaldo like, is a consistently, as we all know, one. Well, in my he's my favorite guy, the greatest one, the greatest. And then he has what he knows great, and then what he does what on Sunday the four goals he scores on Sunday. This is the same thing with Lundusky. You know he's a consistent goal scorer. You know he's a consistent goal scorer. And here we go just to prove my point. And he goes, let me just show you how, how good I am. Here's five off the bench. Yeah. That makes you wonder like should he start putting him on that list because he's great. As we know him, we know that he's great, but we never really discuss when you say. Who's the best player in the game? We never put not a lot of people put Lewandowski on that list. Well, you know, it's it, I, it's interesting. I mean, he's not he's not one of those guys that jumps out at you because he's not he's not a big personality. Um, he's not he, his talent isn't like you know obviously what Messi does that enchants us isn't just about how many goals he scores or how he scores them. It's that he can dribble around anybody. That his control, his his first touch and his his vision is outstanding. And 
Messi is maybe more of a complete attacking player than Lewandowski, but Lewandowski in front of goal is in that upper echelon. And again, because he he's not a because he's not Zlatan, and he's not that kind of forceful guy. Because he's not Ronaldo, he's not projecting this incredible athletic image image, and also being incredibly cocky. Maybe he gets left aside. Maybe we get maybe we gloss over him a little bit. And he plays for Poland, who hasn't you know who hasn't done a lot on the international stage in in a while. Yeah, it's true. I I mean I admit I didn't know who he was until you know twenty what twelve the last one mm-hmm. and then I found out well then I learned oh he does this every day in Dortmund apparently then now he has a big move to Bayern but you still see him consistently do that time scoring the goals making the big plays yeah. and then it's now yeah and I I forgot to put Zlatan on that list too I was well I mean I I, I, I actually think that Zlatan I think that Zlatan is actually aging out of that group a little bit. Um, Zlatan is 30, uh, he'll be 35 in, in like a week and a half. So I, I think okay. Zlatan is getting, or 34, maybe he'll be 34, but it's still regardless. Zlatan is a great player, but I don't know that he is as dominant as he used to be. He's been dealing with injuries for PSG. Um, but he, mm-hmm. he did, he did score yesterday in that win that PSG had in the league. So I don't know. I mean. You know, maybe maybe Zlatan is the guy we take off the list as we put Lewandowski at twenty seven in his prime on the list. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, all right, appreciate the call. Did you got anything right, else? That was it. All right, Thanks. man, appreciate Thanks it. A lot. Good stuff, Richard in uh, Philadelphia. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. Another thing we can obviously uh, talk about here in an American context: the appearance of DeAndre Yedlin at fullback for Sunderland yesterday in their. Capital One Cup match against Manchester City. They ultimately lost 4-1. They were done in by a much better team. Kevin De Bruyne, fantastic. I mean, he's a fantastic player. Just uh, unbelievable. But Yedlin had some nice moments. You can go find some of that over at like Stars and Stripes FC, which is obviously the big booster site for the national team. Has some of it. And, and what? It's one performance. But you hope that it buys Yedlin some extra playing time. Uh, whether or not Dick Avocat sticks it out at Sunderland may have something to say about that. Uh, but you hope he gets him some extra playing time, uh, both in the league, maybe in the FA Cup, which, which they'll have as well. Uh, they're still in the FA Cup, right? They haven't crashed out of that tournament. I don't know where they are in the FA Cup. Uh, the, but, you know, it's interesting to see him play fullback. And, and to be, uh, we, you know, we just got done talking to Ross about what uh, Douglas Costa brings from the wing for Bayern Munich. And, and a lot of teams don't play with classic wingers anymore. So you're getting your width and those crosses whipped in from your fullbacks. I I can I still feel as though DeAndre Yedlin's best position is fullback. I, I know that he's had some success on the wing. I just think the two-way responsibilities uh, that become with a midfield role, and, and look, of course he's got to defend as, as a fullback and he's got to get back, but, but I like him coming from deeper. I like him on the overlap. I think he can find space a little easier than when he's playing as a, as a, as a midfield player. And again, maybe his winger instincts aren't quite there yet. I mean, that, that sounds odd considering what he does when he does play fullback, which is stay wide and get in those crosses. I, I don't know. I may, maybe we should have a discussion about where DeAndre Gedlin should be playing, but I don't know that it matters in terms of the national team because it seems pretty clear as, uh, that, um, uh, that Jurgen Klinsmann has decided that he's a wing player and not a fullback. All right, let me turn to Twitter here while I wait for you guys to call me up, 646-832-3909. Scott 
hypothetical. I can't read it from here. How do you think midweek CCL matches will affect playoff seating, supporter shield, and player energy levels? Well, that depends on who these who these head coaches put out there. Uh, there were some hints coming out um, last couple of days as you've got Seattle and Vancouver tonight in the CONCACAF Champions League as to who they'll put out. Um, that game's on FS2 at 10 o'clock tonight, by the way. I don't expect first-choice lineups, and, and that's a matter of, uh, again, keeping players somewhat fresh for the last couple of matches of the MLS season, which is going to ultimately determine where you are in the standings, what your seating is, which is... Uh, incredibly important for a team like Seattle. Uh, if Seattle can avoid a first-round match, I'm sure they would love to. Right now they're in fourth place, but they're only two points back of FC Dallas and uh, the LA Galaxy. Uh, the same goes, look, Vancouver wants to maintain their top spot. Uh, they want to. They, they may want to go for that supporter shield. Go after, uh, you know, go after a, a trophy that they've they've never won before. They've only been in MLS for a couple of seasons now. So there's a lot to play for in the MLS season, and it is going to have some sort of impact. I, I, I don't know why I could say declaratively, you know, in, in a declarative way that Vancouver is going to lose out on the supporters' shield because they're in the Champions League. I don't think it works that way. Uh, but it's going to have some sort of impact, and it's on Siggy Schmidt, Carl Robinson, obviously uh, Bruce Arena to sort of juggle these things. I mean, L.A. is right now um, on the road in the Champions League as they look to to solidify and lock up their place. And if they can lock up their place, I'm sure Bruce will feel better about their situation and they won't have to, uh, he, he won't have to worry about whether or not he's going to play any starters in these games. Gio in Texas, you're on the air. Hey, Jason. Uh, first off, I wanted to uh, thank you for starting most of your shows. I don't know if you did it this morning uh, with a happy whatever day it is. I, I think that's so, such a positive message, man. Get my day started off well. I, I, you know, uh, I'll say this again. While every job has its negatives and, and not everything goes right, and it's all about, it's all about context, uh, you know, you can have the greatest job in the world, but if everything doesn't go exactly right, you're going to be cranky that day. I have a great job. I can't ever, I can't ever complain about my job. And, and I know that this might, not be, this might not last forever. So every day is pretty much a happy day for me, Gio. There you go. That's that's a great attitude. Um, secondly, I wanted to talk about uh, DC United uh, last night um, managing a come from behind draw three three um, with just a really really interesting uh, lineup, especially on the bench. Yeah. Um, now, ultimately, I know that last night's game wasn't super critical for uh, DC. Well, it's just about seating, um, right? Just about seating. Go ahead. It's about seating right. in the Champions League. Not they, They've already locked up their spot in the knockout rounds. Right. Um, so, what, you know, it was one of those things where I, 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 knew, I know that it didn't really matter, so I understand uh, not, not bringing a full squad uh, in that sense. But, you know, you, you, isn't it a bad look? When uh, you go down three zero uh, to Montego Bay, well, it's a bad look if you lose three zero. They they came back. I mean, the, the draw is not what you wanted, and and DC United should be able to beat Montego Bay anywhere, um, even in Jamaica. But you know, give give those kids that were on the field a, a little bit of credit. Um, you know, for 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 coming back. I mean, you know, this is how this is how little that game mattered. Ben Olsen wasn't there, right? Chad Ashton had the con. 
Right. Um, yeah, it just, it was, it was one of those things that maybe I'm, I'm almost certainly being overly precious about it. Um, but it does feel to me a little bit disrespectful, uh, to Montego Bay when you don't even bring a B team. Um, you don't even bring a full team, you could say. Yeah, uh, I guess. To, to play I, that game. I guess. But yeah, they only had three guys on the bench. Uh, they started uh, Arietta and Correa up top, Doyle, Farfan, Jeffrey, Pontius in the midfield, Aguilar, Opare, Robinson, and Mishu at the back, and then Andrew Dykstra in goal. So, I mean, look, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, while I can understand what you're saying, Gio, at the same time, until MLS gives these teams the tools, uh, and, and I, I say that meaning, you know, clearly it's about the salary cap and what they spend in depth and everything else, but it's also, I, I guess even in that situation, you're going to be playing a B team. It might just be a better B team. And maybe DC United isn't one of those teams that would spend that money even if they had the opportunity to. But I think I just feel as though until MLS gives them the tools to deal with the multiple fronts, um, and, and because DC United is a team that is in the midst of a of a bit of a spiral, I guess that you I find it very difficult to blame Ben Olsen with that knockout round spot already locked in. I, I find it difficult to blame him for for sending a bunch of kids and second choice players and not sending a full squad when the rest for the playoff stretch matters more than beating Montego Bay United. You know, and that's the difficult thing for me, I think, is that I completely agree with that with that sentiment and yet I still it, it still upsets me to see that because as you said, until you until you give uh, MLS teams the resources to really build depth in the squad, you're gonna have performances like these. And then you have uh, CCL matches that who cares about, you know? I, I watched that because I watched that game because it was about the only soccer on last night. Um, but you know, I'm a hardcore fan. Uh, your casual viewer cares less now about well, CCL if that's the only game that he watched. Gio, uh, this said, wow, is they didn't even bring the full squad. This is why I you will. Know? This is why I'm I'm of the opinion, and it took a little while for me to come around to this 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 uh, realization. But this is why I don't think the the I don't think the Concacaf Champions League has a big time future. Now it it may be a fine middling competition. Um, you know we'll we'll get those occasional showdowns against uh, between MLS teams and ML, uh, and Mexican teams. Probably regular late tournament showdowns in in the final and, and whatnot um, or semifinals. But I don't I don't ever think that the CCL is going to suddenly become a big deal. Um, at least not in a, anything resembling a short time frame. I don't think that we can go year over year growing this tournament because it remains it remains a a tournament that is that has too many teams like Montego Bay United. Who, no offense to them, but it's just the fact of the matter that no one knows them and nobody cares about them uh, outside of Jamaica, which is what how many a couple million people on Jamaica. I mean. This is this is a tournament that turns too much on the uh, on the two big leagues, and because those two big leagues are the only leagues with name recognition within the two big countries, the same countries that draw that drive television interest, there's not you can't get over that hump. You just can't. I mean, again, I mean, you know, some of this this Champions League. Uh, let me just pull up where we are. In the Concacaf Champions League to kind of illustrate this, I mean, it's not it, it's not the it's not the, the it's not the tournament's fault, 
it's not it's not Concacaf's fault, really. There's nothing you can do about the fact that you know mo- mo- most of the confederation is made up of small countries or countries with one notable team in it, and even they're only notable within their very small sphere of influence. This it's it's not it's not as though I'm saying oh. Concacaf uh, is really screwing this up, and and if they only did this, it could get better. I just don't know that there is a. I think there's a glass ceiling here that they're never going to get through. I mean, we know Saprisa because we're hardcore fans. The the common, the regular, the casual MLS fan, they have no clue who Saprisa is. They don't, they couldn't tell you what what country Saprisa comes from, but they can tell you exactly where AC Milan comes from, and where uh, PSG comes from, and where Barcelona and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and Chelsea and Manchester. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there are so many big clubs in Europe that even the early rounds of the of the, Euro, of the UEFA Champions League has has that interest and that 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 thing that pushes the tournament all the way through. CONCACAF has to get to the knockout rounds, and even then, we're talking about three, four clubs, right? And then MLS teams sometimes fall out, and the Mexican teams don't really care as much, and you know. And then we also have this fact that the Mexican teams dominate, and now it's suddenly, it doesn't feel like a legitimate competition. And you know, Trevor's talking about okay, the, so- Tre- Trevor's talking about the presentation, but I don't think that's another thing you can't do anything about. You, d- it's chicken and it's the chicken and the egg, right? The champ, the Concacaf Champions League, Champions League drives zero revenue. I mean, maybe not literally zero, but effectively zero revenue for a network like Fox, uh, Fox Sports. The reason Fox is in the business of broadcasting the Champions League is because it fills up some time on their network where they have a lot of they need a lot of inventory, and because it's relatively cheap to present. That's what makes it worth their while. If you said in order for the Concacaf Champions League. Uh, you have to go to the. You have to go to the venue. You have to put on a big, uh, a big show. The the place needs to be filled up. The stadium. Hey, look, the stadiums are crap, right? The stadiums are crap. And this is the same thing. I mean, people ask me all the time, Gio, how can you watch MLS after you watch the Premier League? Now, I am the type of person who can draw can can derive entertainment out of each one and sees the differences in each one as actual strengths. Even though I recognize the Premier League is much better soccer than MLS. But this is for a lot of people going from watching, uh, you know, a game at the Bernabeu between Real Madrid and Juventus. I mean, obviously that's a final, but you know, it, or Barcelona and Juventus is whatever. What you know, what I'm saying uh, it, it, even in the early stages, Real Madrid is taking on a team that has name recognition at the Bernabeu in front of ninety thousand people. In 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 this tur- in this tournament, it just does. We don't have that. We've got. We've got Montego Bay United playing in a in for what what we would kind of identify as a glorified high school football stadium uh, in front of a small crowd with you know with players we never we've never heard of and I I just I just think that by comparison that this tournament will always suffer. This is why while I'm I'm hesitant to say it would ever actually work logistically. This is why the the. America's Champions League sort of has some resonance with me. At least Sao Paulo and Corinthians and River Plate and Boca Juniors and Millenarios, at least they have some and, and you know, at least they have some some cachet to them. At least if you you know that if you have to go play Boca in a match in a, in a in a tournament that means something and will bring them Bring everybody, whoever wins it, a lot of money in terms of prize money. You, at least you know La, Bo- La Bomanera is going to be filled up. And 
the people are going to be going crazy. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, and even that's not going to, even that's not going to be UEFA Champions League level. But it's a, it's cl- it's a lot closer to what we get now from the CONCACAF Champions League. Well, um, yeah, that, that was actually where I was going to take the conversation, too, was with the proposed America's Champions League. Um, I think that uh, that could definitely work out. Like you said, you bring in uh, some of those uh, South American uh, clubs, and then you can still keep uh, the CONCACAF Gold not the Gold Cup, the CONCACAF Champions League and the uh, Liga, the Libertadores, is that it? Yeah. Um, as your sort of Europa League uh, uh, contest, you know, one tier below America's Champions League, if you want to put it that way. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that there's any easy fix, you know, uh, that's the part of the problem. Um, you know, and, and uh, our friend Auntie in, uh, uh, in, in Finland is saying, you know, do MLS teams have name recognition in Jamaica? I, I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Um, and Trevor, you know, Trevor's point is, okay, imagine Boca Juniors coming up to play Red Bull New York. That's, that's probably going to sell out. And it's better than a, a meaningless friendly <laughs> in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think sometimes, sometimes as soccer fans, we want what we can't have. Um, and, and while it's, it's difficult to come to the realization as, as American soccer continues to grow and as, as soccer in this part of the world continues to improve and get better, and uh, and we can see more of it. I I think that again, you're always going to suffer by comparison, and because you're always going to suffer by comparison, it's going to prevent people from buying in, in a major way. Um, I, I've always said that part of the reason that pro rail works in 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 Europe, part of the reason that that those leagues are what they are in comparison to MLS, is because they existed in a bubble for sixty or seventy years before anybody had to wa- or anybody had the opportunity to watch another league. You know. So, you know, Syria had a chance to, to grow up and become what it is and, and create its own lore and grab all of the, the fans that they have without having to be compared to the Premier League or vice versa. Um, MLS doesn't have that. Soccer in this part of the world doesn't have that. We exist now in a time when every, everything is going to be compared to something else. Stephen Clark here on Twitter. Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions League needs cash to lure teams. Teams need fans to spend to take it seriously. Fans want uh, both to go all out before spending. It's a vicious cycle because no one wants to give in first. There's no immediate payout or guarantee, so why invest? It's the same argument that holds Euro fans back from following MLS. They want top quality before paying attention. This is what I mean by chicken and egg. I'm not going to, I'm not, I can't. Well, I think MLS is a fun league and people should watch it. I'm not going to presume to tell some soccer fan you have to watch MLS. It doesn't work that way. We get to choose what we want to 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 participate in. So, but until fans do, and MLS meaning the Champions League as well, until fans do in large numbers, until they're watching in large numbers, and it drives uh, the revenue and it gets the the television networks to buy fully in, the the Concacaf Champions League is never going to be a thing. It's just not going to be interesting. It's not going to be big. It's not going to have. It's not going to have any cachet to it. It's not going to have any prestige. But those people won't buy in until it does have prestige. You know what I'm saying? So now where, what do we do? It's a catch-22. What do we do? Well, for me, personally, I, I, I just... You, you got to try being me sometime, Jason, because it, it's pretty great. I have, <laughs> uh, I have on my rosy 
glasses that, you know, I see the world through a rose-colored lens, if that's the expression. Um, and in my mind, the biggest thing that MLS has going for it, um, strangely enough, is that it's American. And people around the world love to take up American products. They like American TV. They like American culture. Uh, you know, all of that stuff. It's really strangely popular in all the rest of the world when, you know, people will always tell you that, oh, you travel abroad, people hate Americans and all of that stuff. But really, um, you know, maybe they hate the stereotypical obnoxious American, but most people around the world love American culture and want to be a part of it. And you're, you already see so many, uh, quote-unquote, aging European stars wanting to come to MLS because they want to live here, they want to raise their children here. There's... Uh, for me, I think the biggest trump card that MLS has going for it is that it's American and that um, we have all of this money, all of this cachet throughout the world. We don't have the money yet, but, you know, once we get there, um, I, I think that it's an inevitable, it's inevitability. It's sure, but kind it, of a snowball effect. But it's over a, it's over a timeline that, that a lot of people don't want to wait for, uh, Gio. That's the issue. I, I appreciate the call, man. I'm going to move on. It's good discussion. I, again, I think the the biggest factor in all of these things, whether it's when MLS becomes truly mainstream, when MLS becomes a competitor to Liga MX, when MLS, well, okay, some of this is, is about owners making decisions on how much to spend, et cetera, et cetera. But there's also, there's just the fact that time is the biggest element that we refuse to accept it's uh, it's pay. I mean, we don't we just refuse refuse to accept the notion that time matters as much as it does. We want to skip ahead. We want to jump. We want to go from A to C and skip over B entirely, and we can't do that. It's just not going to work that way. Chico in New York, what's up, man? Hey, Jason. Just uh, because John Clifford, I wanted to wish everybody an easy fast before we got okay. into what I want go. to talk about. Very good. I, you know, I'll admit that that I hesitate on that because I, I'm never clear what to say. Easy fast. That's what I need to say. Uh, yes, easy, fast to all our Jewish friends out there. Go ahead. Sure, that's the English version. Uh, I wanted to call and talk about 24 under 24. I know that maybe you don't want to talk about it since you've been on previous lists, but <laughs> yeah, uh, I got, came out yesterday. I, I, I was, got uh, dropped. Uh, I cheek, was kind of <laughs> perplexed by some of the choices, but uh, I'll let you give no, your thoughts first. No, well, I well, okay. I, 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 looked, I looked briefly at the list um, uh, the other day. Uh, let me let me I'll pull it up right now. Let me, let me just address the fact that yes, I was previously on the twenty four under twenty four panel. In fact, I think it was like a three or four year run, and I was summarily dumped, and I don't know why. And I'd like an explanation. I mean, if you're gonna dump somebody, you should do you know you should at least let them know why. You don't just stop calling. That's rude. Give me a no. I'm just kidding. It's not it's not a big deal. I, I'm really not that worried about it. Uh, the the people on the panel: Jeff Carlisle, Dunny, Alexi, Kurt Larson. Uh, Patrick LeDuc from up in Canada, uh, Seth Vertelny, good friend of mine, Kyle McCarthy, great guy, knows the league in, inside and out. Uh, a couple, a guy from Optus Sports who I don't know, uh, Katie Whitham from uh, with him from Fox Sports, Franco Panizo, who, who I like a lot, good guy, Alexander uh, Abnos from SI.com, Andy Edwards, a great guy from Kansas City, Will Parchman, who knows pretty much more about soccer than anybody I know. I'm I'm fine with the uh, the panel as it exists and. Really, it's just less pressure on me. I can just now I get to rip apart <laughs> this list, Chico. Um, I got no problem with yeah, five it's being... not exactly the speaker list from Blazer well, Cotton. That's I... judging twenty four under twenty four. <laughs> ow, ow, come on. Um, I don't I no problem with Fabian Castillo. I think he's the most complete player under the age of twenty four in MLS, at least in terms of the tacking end. And of course, this list 
trends towards the attacking end of the field. Um, it goes Castillo, Mane, uh, Leggett, who's a new addition to the league, who, who didn't make it last year because he wasn't here. Will Trap, I like a lot. Matt Miazga, Harry Ship, Poku. Maybe we're overrating, overrating Poku just a little bit with this list because um, you know a lot of hype surrounded him. He's a good player. Don't be wrong. He's got a lot of potential. But is he really the seventh best player under the age of 24? Or the seventh, whatever it is, seventh ranked player? I mean, some of this is about potential. Some of it's about contribution. Different people judge players different ways. Uh, Perry Kitchen, Joao Plata, who dropped a, a little bit. Uh, Kyle Lahren on this list for the first time at number 10. Kubo Torres, Matias Laba, Juan Agadello, who's still under 24 years old, pretty stunningly. Uh, Kellen Acosta, Kamar Lawrence, Andrew Farrell, Diego Fernandez, Octavio Rivero, Lucas Milano uh, added. I-, I don't know enough about Lucas Milano. I don't know if I would have had him this high. Kellen Rowe, Matt Polster, Alvis Powell, Tommy Thompson, and Eric Palmer Brown. Wh- where are your issues, Chico? I agree entirely with you on poker. I thought, you know, he's 23 years old, or so this is his last year of eligibility to be considered under 24. He hasn't really made that many appearances when you consider, you know, where the team is in the table, where his team is. The fact that he can't get on the field for a team that that's, that's doing that poorly in MLS just raises questions as to why he's considered so high on this list. When you've got a guy like Diego Fagundes, who's ranked far lower on the list, the Revs are near the top of the table in the league. This is sort of a similar thing you could say for Kamar Lawrence, who's at 15. Yeah, you know, These guys are making key contributions for teams that are close to the top of the Supporter Shield table. Yeah. And Poku is far above them. I didn't understand that at all. I, I agree with you. I think it's mostly just hype. You know, this is his first year in the league. Clearly, it's a different team when he comes onto the field for NYCSC. They mm-hmm. are a much better team than he played. But, you know, players that, are, that should be at that level... But on this list, you know, he's among Miazga, who we consider to be, you know, the next U.S. center back. He's amongst Perry Kitchen, who's been a starter for D.C. United for a pretty decent amount of time. And that's a, another team that's close to the top of the table. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, it's, it is it is an interesting one. Again, I, look, having voted on these things, um, the, the previous methodology, and I don't know if they lay it out here. Maybe they Oh, they do. Uh, so they've got te- uh, technical ability, soccer IQ, physical attributes, personality, and potential. Um, you give a one to nine rating for these guys. At least that's the way it worked when uh, uh, when I did it. Um, it. You get kind of wrapped up in this stuff, and there's definitely a recency effect, Chico. Where when you vote definitely matters to how guys end up on the list because let's let I mean they released it now, but this list probably was I mean the voting probably happened a month and a half ago, you know, so. At that point in time, that was when Poku was really making NYCFC go in a way they hadn't before. Now, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup. They've, they've obviously had to work Lampard in. But that was sort of the height of Poku hype, I think. So it, that definitely plays a role in this. I think people get around. And even smart soccer people can be sucked up into, into what they're doing in that moment. I think it's almost impossible. It's human nature. Uh, I, I do agree on, on Fagundes. I mean... He was number five the last two years, and to see him drop all the way to 17, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter. I think he's a good, a good player, and he's only going to get better. Uh, he did sort of become second choice for a while, uh, but that you know, so much of that is that New England has so many options. I mean, Kellen Rowe is number 20. He was number 15 last year. Seems about right. Also a guy who's sort of in and out of New England's plans because they have so many options, um, and, and, and because Jay Heaps is trying to, to tweak his team. 
beyond that, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to get upset about it. I'm not saying you are, Chico, but it's hard for me to get too worried about this stuff. Sebastian Legit at three is pretty interesting considering how quickly that happened. <laughs> you know, he's been great for L.A., but he's also playing with a very good team that sort of covers, you know, helps him look better than maybe he is individually. And that's the other thing. How do you possibly take these players out of their team context and judge them as individual players? And imagine, well, if you took Sebastian Leggett and dropped him into Colorado, is he nearly as good? Uh, that's a good question. Yeah, I think it's difficult to judge how these players will do out of context. But you do see Harry Ship, Poku in these high positions. So there's there's a decent amount that the the um uh, the people that judge the panel think that they can gauge from those performances. And I'm not saying that, you know, Harry Ship, Quadman Foco aren't very good players in this league, despite the fact that they're on not so good teams. Yeah. I, you know, I, I and, and here's a, here's another example of, of sort of the recency effect and, and how things that are happening in that moment can impact our, our appreciation. No, it should when it comes to on on field performance. I mean that that should be a factor. But Eric uh, Eric Torres was number two last year. Now, obviously, he was scoring goals for a bad Chivas team, and that played a, a large role in how we viewed him. He was sort of carrying them when they were bad anyway. Uh, he was the only good thing they had going. Now he's with the, with the Dynamo. He's only been there for, what, a month, month and a half? He hasn't made a much of an impact. That team has struggled, and he goes from number two to number 11. Is he, is he really behind Kyle Laren in terms of talent? Is he really behind Poku? And, and guys like that in terms of, of talent, I, I'm not so sure. I think it's the fact that he didn't play for, you know, he was in, in Chile, he was in Guadalajara and he didn't play for the Dynamo and he was sort of off our radar a bit. And then he comes back and, again, getting his feet wet in, uh, in Houston and trying to figure out how to play with them and score goals it doesn't mean he's not the same player or a player on an upward trajectory. And it doesn't mean he's not still the number, the number two best under 24-year player in the league. It just means that, Houston's not not Chivas, and he's not feeling it. You know, I mean, goal scoring is is, is a streaky thing. I, I don't know. I, I, lots of factors involved, Chico. Certainly, and you know, you could make sort of similar arguments as to why Juan Agudelo is so high on this list, why Lucas Milano is on this list at all, having only I think he's only scored one goal for Portland so far. Yeah, in his MLS, yeah. and you're not, not to say he's not going to be you know a, yeah. a great player for them in years to come. He's Getting his feet wet, as you said. Yeah, played eight matches, scored one goal, has one assist, cost some money, came in with a little bit of hype. You know, that goes into your brain. And, and you know, I, I'm not calling anybody out here, but how many of these people, you know, a couple of them probably have, but how many of these people have spent a lot of time watching Lucas Milano play outside of those eight games with Portland? Probably not that many. I can't answer that. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm positing a, and again, this is not necessarily their fault. They got to, they get you, and that's the other thing. You have to work with the, the information available. And again, I, I have no problem with the panel. And I know all of these guys took it, uh, all these people, uh, men and women took it seriously and did their best. But remember that they're fallible and that they're human and that they're impacted by things like what happened yesterday uh, and, and hype and reputation that may or may not be deserved based on the level of ability. And again, it's all it's all relative to the other players in the league. Lucas Milano's a good player. Is he the 19th best player under 24 in the league? I mean, that's, that's one appreciation. Who knows? It's speculation at this point, considering, yeah, you know, as you said, eight it's, games. It's just fun. It's just fun is what it is. I mean, it is. It's fun. And, and, and you know what? A good list 
what a good list does is get people talking, and that's what we're doing, Chico. I appreciate the call, man. Thank you. There goes uh, Chico. Good stuff. 24 under 24. MLS's annual exercise in raking the younger players in the league. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning on a Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Ross Dunbar uh, for his patience as we dealt with that Skype issue. It was some good good talk on the Bundesliga. Regardless, uh, Robert Lewandowski, he is a god today. Uh, make sure you go to iTunes and leave Soccer Morning a rating. And if you have some time, leave us a review as well. It helps out the show. You know, we're here every day doing this um, the best we can. I think we're doing, I, I think that we're providing some good stuff for you. If you enjoy it even a little bit, if it's part of your routine or you just dip in and out uh, when you can, it would be nice if you just uh, showed some appreciation by going and, and giving us a review. That's all we ask right now. Uh, you go to backheel.com, find a lot of cool stuff over there, including all of the backheel shows. Go to worldsoccertalk.com. We've got some good stuff happening over there and you can obviously watch the show live if you're a podcast listener if you ever get a chance to watch this live it's at worldsoccertalk.com slash live what else trevor am i missing anything i feel like there's a loose end to tie up here no am i done i think we're done for today i think that's a good show in the books thanks to uh everybody that called in and we will hit you up tomorrow thursday we'll talk about the concaf champions league there's some more league cup happening Probably spend another hour talking about Robert Lewandowski because it was just that amazing. Soccer morning. See you guys later. Bye. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every curse.